Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. A couple quick announcements. We'll get those out of the way. Um, straight into it. And it'll, it'll, they'll get you out at a, at a good time because it's a weekday. And uh, respect people's time. Um, there'll also be some meetings on Fridays or Saturdays that'll be uh, here and there planned around other things. There'll be more of a. There'll be word. It'll be word based also. But we're going to do some. Eating. President of the United States of America. You don't. I don't have it on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you. It says, "Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness." That's the time we're living in. That's the time we're living in. The little emblem on Apple, it's got a bite out of the Apple. Woe to men, mighty at drinking wine. Woe to men, valiant for mixing intoxicating drink, who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away justice from the righteous man. Are you seeing that? You don't think there's being bribes? You don't think people are bought out? They're sellouts. You know why they're sellouts? Because somebody paid them to be a sellout. Selling out their own country, one nation under God, the United States of America, for what? For money, for gain, for financial gain. That's why it says it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven to be harder than a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And the eye of a needle is actually a gate. The camel had to get down on its knees and crawl through it. It didn't say it's impossible. It just said it's hard. The reason it's hard is because you're putting your faith and trust in money rather than God Almighty. And people will sell out their own country, their own people, their own friends. I don't like Dr. Fauci either. I think he's been a sellout from the beginning. He just looks sneaky. You know, you see him talk on the television. It's a very unsettling feeling I get in my spirit. Anytime I see him, when I see Pelosi up there or Biden or most of the people in that whole party, it's an unsettling feeling. Like something, this is a little more, this is a little deeper than just Democratic Party and Republican Party. It's a little deeper. Like there's something going on in the spiritual realm. Like these people are being led by something else. You've got to be led by something else to say it's okay to murder an infant in your mother's womb, in the mother's womb. There's got to be something wrong with you. And encourage people to do it. And to make money off doing it. And selling body parts. Therefore, as fire, fire devours the stubble, in other words, dead grass, in the wintertime when it's dead, dry as a door, it dries uh, it dries dry can be. <laughs> dries dust. How the fire devours the stubble, and the flame consumes the chaff, so their root will be as rottenness, and their blossom will ascend like dust, because they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. That's what he's talking about. These people who we're talking about right here, that's what their future's looking like. That they're going to be devoured just like fire devours dry grass and flame consumes the chaff. Their roots will be as rot. Their roots are going to dry. They're going to be rotten. Their blossom will ascend like dust. Why? Because they've rejected the law of the Lord of hosts. They take God out of everything. Take God out of everything. We don't want you to be in the schools. Don't want you to be in the courtroom. Don't want you to be on uh, social media. 
They're trying to get rid of 5013Cs altogether, which is us, by the way, the church. No more 5013Cs. You don't think they're going to try to keep you out of church because they're going to say church is non-essential? This is very essential. This is the most essential thing that there is. This is way more essential than a job. People still die and go to hell every day. We need the Word of God in, going into our ears and into our heart regardless of COVID. You need it. We need it. you got to have it. It says not to forsake the assembling together of the body of Christ. Don't forsake that. We are the body of Christ and we're assembled together right here under one accord, worshiping the one and only true God. It's important to be here. It's important to be here. Amen. Therefore the anger of the Lord is aroused against His people. He stretched out His hand against them and stricken them. And the hills trembled. Their carcasses were as refuse in the midst of the streets. For all his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. You don't think God is a, a little angry at the moment? You think he's pleased with what's going on? Let's go back in time. Let's take the media with us. Lord, people are saying it's, it's over, it's hopeless, there's nothing else we can do. It, it's, we're done for. We're done. It's all downhill from here. The, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. You ever heard that? I've heard it a lot, especially this week. Nothing we can do. You're right. When, when man can't do it, guess what? God can. Amen. A lot of times, the, what's standing in the way of God doing what needs to be done is man. So you're trying to carry the heavy load, but he never called you to be carry the heavy load. He said, I'll carry the heavy load. You ever seen a sheep pulling uh, a wagon? We're sheep. We're not designed to carry the heavy load, do the heavy lifting. Amen? Amen? Let's go back in time, though. Let's go back to Moses and the children of Israel, the Hebrews. He says, we're slaves. Basically, we have no hope. There's no way to get out of here. We have no military no might nor power. We have nothing. We got nothing. What are we going to do? Apply the blood of the Lamb. Now, what if the media had been there? What if the CNN news reporters and ABC and NBC and Fox and all of them had been on site going, these people have officially lost their minds. They're slaves in a foreign land. They got no chance. And they've got the blood of this Lamb putting it on the doorpost because they think it's going to do something. They would have mocked it and made fun of it. Said how crazy it was, how crazy everybody was. They wouldn't have been laughing the next morning though. What happens when everybody runs or they, they escape, they flee, and now they're at the Red Sea, and now they're murmuring and complaining and going, you brought us all this way, but just now, uh, just to, to die here at the Red Sea because the Egyptians are hot on our trail? What if the media would have been there? Looks like it's over. Looks like it's done. Nothing you can do now. We've already counted the vote 17 times, but still coming up short. Looks like he's going to take over. Looks like this. Looks like I go on with the list of my own. What are we going to do? And the news reporters are on site. Yeah, there's the Red Sea. Got nowhere else to go. Nothing you can do. What you going to do? Well, that dry ground made the news report there shortly thereafter, didn't it? But what would the news report have said? What would they have said? What would the media have said? Well, far a lot like they're saying now. It's hopeless, it's over, it's done. And what are you going to do? What are we going to do? Not to compare Trump to Jesus whatsoever at all because there's no man that you can compare to Jesus. There was only one that was perfect and it was Jesus and they crucified him for being perfect. 
Now, I was thinking this morning, or maybe it was last night, or maybe it was last night and this morning, but I wonder how the disciples felt. Those disciples on the road to Emmaus that had lost hope, lost all hope because Jesus has been crucified and put in the tomb. Everything, we, our hopes were in Him. He was the one, and now He's in the grave, and they've just lost all hope, and they're just walking, and they're sad. And I was thinking about all the other disciples, Peter and John, the rest of them, how they felt, how they must have felt. They were with Him, some for three years. But they were with him for one, two, three years. Spent time with him. They knew him. They knew everything about him was good. That he was only there to help people. He loved people. He cared about people. That he came from heaven. He was in his heavenly abode. Life's good. And he humbled himself and came down to earth to become a man to live down here just like you and I. To live in a world full of sin and a world full of hate. But to only do good. He just did good. He, he didn't come for himself. He come for you and me. He come for everybody else. He left where he was at and come to earth for everyone else. But the ones that he came for are the ones that are rejecting him. The ones that he came for are the ones that are tying him to a whipping post and beating the hide off of him. That are nailing him to a cross. That are killing him. That are insulting him. That are telling lies about him. They're sticking a crown of thorns on his head. They're rejecting him. His own people, the ones he came, the ones he died for. But yet he still goes and does it. And his disciples watch all this. They know that he comes and he heals blind eyes and he heals lame legs and he just loves everybody that loves the unlovely and extends mercy and grace to those who you wouldn't think deserve any mercy or grace. Only to do good. Only to do good. And it wasn't for him, it was for them. It was for you and I. It was for us. I was thinking about how the disciples must have felt when they saw all these things take place and transpire. And then he's nailed to the cross. Then he's put in the tomb. What, he must, what they must have felt like. Very hopeless. Very hurt. Very sad. Very confused. Probably in fear. A lot of fear. Fear. Fear like this nation's in right now. Fear. I said 2020 was going to be the year of clear vision that we're going to see things clearly. I don't retract that statement. I stand by it because I see things more clearly now than I ever have. And another man stood behind the pulpit and mocked me just the other day about me saying that. Well, I still stand on it because I do things, see things more clearly. I see a church that's got more fear than I realize that it could be in a church. We see, sing songs, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but when the Rona came out, everybody became a slave to fear. They're too scared to come out of the house, too scared to get assembled together as a body of Christ because we actually are a slave of fear. But you were singing, you weren't a slave of fear, but when the, the stuff hit the fan, when the rubber met the road, we're going to find out, are you a slave to are you or aren't you? Preaching sermons, faith over fear, but you're preaching it from your living room because you're scared to come out of your house. Church is full of fear. Preachers full of fear. I'm about as scared of the Rona as I am Bigfoot coming in here. <laughs> now, I'm scared of spiders. I don't like spiders. Rona is real. I understand. People get it. People get sick. People have died from it. But you're still not supposed to walk around in fear. We didn't see Jesus take off running from the, the people that were sick because he was afraid he was going to contract a disease. Leprosy, oh my gosh, and take off running. No, he wasn't in fear. And we're not supposed to be in fear. 
We're not slaves of fear. We're not supposed to be in fear. But I have had my eyes open to how much fear is out there. And how I knew the government was crooked. I knew, you know, politicians, I, you know, you hear that your whole life. I didn't know the depths of it. But I want to tell you, uh, President Trump has opened my eyes to just how crooked that it is. And that's why they hate him. That's why they want him out. Because they are crooked. You see, it's hard to pay taxes. I never liked paying taxes before, but it's even harder now. I don't want to give them my money to send overseas to somebody. Bunch of sellouts. But you see what's happened is Christ has been removed. The things of God has been removed. There's no reverence for the things of God. But how have the disciples felt? Well, how did... I think, I think the situation that's going on right now for me personally, in my lifetime, this is the closest feeling I've ever felt to how the disciples must have felt. Because I see Trump as a man who's a multi, multi-billionaire. He's got plenty of money. He don't need money. He didn't become the president to make money. He became the president without a paycheck to help this country out because it's in need, needs some help because it's going downhill. Just like Jesus came from heaven to earth to help us. I think Trump came to the White House. I think God sent him. I think he did come to help us. And he's been being rejected by who? Unrighteous, wicked people. Amen. Same thing with Jesus. He was rejected. You see the things he stands for, and he's rejected for what he stands for. You know what? If he was for Planned Parenthood, and he was for gay marriage, and he was, he was a sellout like everybody else, you know they'd be for him. They'd rally behind him. They'd support him. You don't see the real things on the news. There's, a, there's this thing my wife showed me. There's, there's, uh, there's some video footage of in the White House where um, these police officers open the gates and wave them in. And just, there just happens to be cameramen set up at different places and photographers uh, getting all this as it happens. Tell me it wasn't orchestrated or planned out. I mean, get real. They broke in the White House. No. Crooked, evil, wicked. This is between good and evil. This is between righteousness and wickedness. And to say we don't have a chance, it's all over. Do you think the Democratic Party is greater than God Almighty? Well, heck no. I don't know how it's going to play out. I don't know. But I'm not scared and I'm not in fear. I have faith. I think it's one of those Red Sea moments. We're standing right there at the Red Sea and all of us, you and I, are wondering what in the world's fixing to happen right here. I don't know. We can murmur and complain and gripe and grumble. We can stand in faith and say God's going to pull us through. He's going to part the sea. He's going to overturn things. He's going to uh, expose wickedness and evilness and wrongdoing. You know, this ain't even my sermon for today. I hadn't even got into it yet. <laughs> Probably won't. I guess I'll save it for next week. <laughs> How do we even get here? How do we even get to this place? How'd the church allow it? Go to church, sing songs. I'm no longer a slave to fear, but do you really mean you know, is it? It's just a pretty song. Because church has got to be about more than big screens, skinny jeans, and coffee machines. And I know some of you guys are wearing skinny jeans. That's okay, but you need to go shop in the men's department. Come on now. 
Now, you know, it don't matter what kind of pants you wear. It don't matter what's on the outside. It matters what's on the inside. Because just like King David was chosen not by his appearance, but what was in his heart. The prophet said, this has got to be the one. God said, no, I need the one. It's the one you least expect it to be. That's who it is. Praise the Lord. Well, we've been talking about David. And when David was just a boy, teenage boy, and Samuel comes and anoints him to be the next king, and he's going to be the next king. Well, there's a waiting period that he went through, and it wasn't until he was you know, a grown man before he actually became the king. A lot of things transpired. That's what we've been talking about for these weeks here. Been on the run like a you know, vigilante. He's on the run. Saul's trying to kill him. And he only wanted to do good, and he only wanted to help, and he wanted to help the country. Of course he did. He went out there and fought a giant. Nobody else would fight him. Nobody else would face it. Who else does that remind you of? I didn't even think about that. But Trump faced a giant too that nobody else wanted to. See, that's why they hate him, because he doesn't need their money. He's not worried about their approval. He's not worried about being politically correct. It's a spade, he calls it a spade. Right, he calls it right. Wrong, he calls it wrong. And they hate him for it. And David goes out there, and he fights this, this giant for his country so they don't all become slaves to the Philistines, just as a boy. And then Saul, now he's Saul's man, and he goes with him everywhere. And next thing you know, the women are singing songs that Saul's killing thousands and David's killing tens of thousands. So Saul gets jealous and he wants to kill him. That's what we've been talking about for weeks. He throws a spear at him. He's out hunting him. And David has two chances to kill him, once in the cave and once another time that Saul was asleep and him and one of his men snuck down there in the camp and Saul's asleep. And his man told David, he said, let me run a spear through him. It won't take two shots. I won't strike him twice. In other words, the first one is going to take care of the job. Let me kill him. And David wouldn't let him kill him. And he had an opportunity to kill him in the cave. And David wouldn't do it because that wasn't God's way. He didn't want to take matters into his own hands. He's trying to follow the lead of the Lord and be the, God that, the man that God created him to be. A man after God's own heart. But before David ever comes onto the scene, they have the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, that's where the presence of God resided. The Ark of the Covenant. It was a, the veil has been torn, the veil has been rent. Now the presence of the God is not in the Ark of the Covenant. You don't have to go through a priest. Uh, you don't have to go through anything religious. Guess, what, guess where He resides now? He resides right there in your heart if you ask Him to come in there. Amen. Amen. You carry the presence of God everywhere you go. You don't have to go to it. You carry it with you. That's just it. You do carry it with you. But anyway, so the Ark of the Covenant is there. And the same thing happened then is happening now. They don't give any reverence to the things of God. They start doing evil and they start doing wicked things. And these people, uh, Eli's, Eli's the priest then. He, he's not listed in Judges, but he actually was a judge. It was a transitional period where they were going from judges over to kings. And Eli was a judge, but he was a, a prophet and a, a priest. And they go in there, they bring their sacrifices. And there's a, you have to do it a certain way. You boil it and then you burn it and it's an aroma, a smell that's pleasing to the Lord. And they would stab it with a, a prong and then whatever meat came off the prong, that would be given... That would have been given to Eli. Well, his sons, uh, Hophni and Phinehas, that was like his, uh, they were underneath him. They were helpers. And people would be bringing their sacrifices in to the tabernacle. 
to present it to God. And these were wicked men. They would say, no, we're taking that raw meat. They wouldn't let them do it the way God intended them to do it. They would just take it and say, you're either going to give it to us or we're going to take it by force. Does that remind you of anything? You're either going to give us our way or we're going to take it by force. You're going to give us our way or we're going to rig elections and we're going to do we're going to, Somebody's going to end up committing suicide. <laughs> somebody's going to die and we're going to say, you killed yourself. Amen. I was trying to let you read between the lines that y'all are looking at me like I was crazy. <laughs> and so... They're disrespecting God. God, you're not going to mock God, make a fool of God. Also, there was sexual things taking place there at the tabernacle by Eli's two sons. Wicked men. No reverence for the things of God. Disrespecting God. Make, trying to make a fool, a mockery of Him. And then they go into battle. Before they go into battle, some of the men came up to Eli and said, He said, let me tell you, Eli, here's what you boys are doing. And Eli said, boys, come on, I heard what y'all are doing here. Let me just give you a little spank, spank. He didn't do anything about it. They kept on doing that same evil, wicked stuff, just like you see going on in our country right now. The same evil, wicked stuff is allowed day after day after day after day. If it feels good, do it. If it makes you happy, do it. If you want to be a man today, be a man today. If you want to be a woman tomorrow, just... X the box that you don't even know what gender you are. So they go into battle against the Philistines and they're losing. They're, they're losing. They hadn't been losing, but now they're losing. All of a sudden they're losing. And they're like, God, why are we losing? Why are we losing? They're looking around. Why are we losing? Why is God letting us lose? They said, well, go get the Ark of the Covenant and bring it out here. Well, the Ark of the Covenant hadn't been thought about. The presence of God hadn't been thought about. The help from God, leading from God, any direction from God hadn't been thought about. The only thing God's been used for is their own gain, financial gain, pleasures of the flesh and different things. But now we need you, God. Now we need you. So bring him on out here. And the Israelites were shouting and cheering and jumping. He said the whole earth shook. And the Philistines said, oh boy, what's that? They don't sound good. They got scared. And they said, no, nah, we ain't scared. We're men. We're Philistines. We're going to go fight them. You know, they went and fought them. 30,000 Israelites died and they took the Ark of the Covenant and they took it on back with them. Israel didn't have the Ark of the Covenant anymore. The presence of God left. They came back and told Eli, both you boys got killed and they took the Ark of the Covenant. Eli fell off of his stool he was sitting on, broke his neck and he died. Then, then his son... Uh, I think it was Phineas' son's daughter-in-law was there. She was pregnant. When she heard the Ark of the Covenant had been captured, she went into birth, gave birth to a child, and named it Ichabod and said, the glory of the Lord has departed. That's what Ichabod means. That the glory of the Lord has departed from Israel. Well, fast forward. Samuel. How Samuel came on the scene well, let me, I ain't fast forwarding, I'm backing up. How Samuel came on the scene as Hannah went into the tabernacle and her heart was speaking and her lips were moving, but no sound was coming out. And Eli said, are you drunk or something? And she said, no, I'm not drunk. And she pleaded her case. She told him what was going on, that she wanted to have a child, but she couldn't. And Eli said, you'll have a child this time next year. So she had a child. His name was Samuel. Then she brought Samuel back to the tabernacle to Eli and she gave him back to the Lord. Then Samuel grew up there at the tabernacle running with Eli and she would make him a little mini, mini priest outfit. He dressed just like him. He was in the tabernacle from just an early age. 
So see, Eli's sons were supposed to take Eli's place, but they were wicked. So guess who stepped into the role of Eli? Samuel did. So it's now Samuel is the priest. He's the prophet. He's the one that's uh, taking Samuel's, uh, Eli's place. Samuel grows old. He's about to die. They said, your boys are wicked. Abijah, if that's how you pronounce it, Abijah and Joel, not the prophet Joel, a different Joel. That was his sons. And Israel said, we don't want your sons because they're wicked just like Eli's sons were. So that's when they said, we need a king. That's where King Saul comes into the picture. All right? Keep in mind, this, the Ark of the Covenant has been gone for years. Gone. Captured. Nobody's talked about it. There's no mention in the Bible about it. There's no, hey, we need a plan to go back and get it. Nothing. King Saul is on his throne. He's got all his men. They go to battle all the time. They fight. We've read the stories. You've heard about them. We've preached on them. No mention of the Ark of the Covenant one time anywhere that I've ever found in Scripture. But then Saul dies. The reason David's replacing Saul is because Saul was instructed by God to go out and wipe out the Amalekites to kill everyone of them, leave nothing living. But he went out and killed most of them but kept some things for himself and saved the king and saved some different things. That's why God said, I'm going to anoint another king and he anointed David because Saul disobeyed him. But he didn't kill the Amalekites. He was supposed to completely wipe them out. But now they're out in the battle. And Saul's out there, and he's about dead. And guess who comes by? An Amalekite. And he said, tells the Amalekite, finish me off. And the Amalekite finishes him off and kills him. So then the Amalekite comes and tells David, Saul's dead. Here's his crown. He asked me to finish him off. I finished him off. I killed him. So guess what happened to the Amalekite? He died because he touched God's anointed. There's a sermon right there. That Amalekite wouldn't have been there to kill him if he had killed the Amalekites originally that God told him to. Amen. So you got sin in your life, you got things in your life that you need to get out of your life, you just got a little bit lingering around, just a little bit hanging around, you better get it gone, get it out of your life, because if you leave it hanging around, eventually it's going to come full circle back around and kill you, Amen. take you out. But now, David's the king. He's taking Saul's place. And David's men are fighting Saul's men. And David's army's growing stronger. And Saul's army's growing weaker. And, and then the, uh, the elders come in. They make it official. David, you're the king over Israel. And they, the Philistines find out about it. And they come to attack David. And he, he, he seeks the Lord about what to do. And the Lord says, fight him. I'll be with you. And David was successful. He whooped some tail and took some names. But you know what happened? David said, the whole time that Saul was the king, he never mentioned the Ark of the Covenant. We never went and got the Ark of the Covenant. Where God dwells, the presence of God, the living God, the one that got us out of Egypt, the one that's with us in battle, the one that we're seeking uh, His leading and His guiding, His direction from, He's been removed and He is now in another land. The Philistines have it. It's in Kareth, Jerem is where it's at. He says, let's go get the Ark of the Covenant and bring it back. So he loads up his men, 400 men, 400 bad dudes, and they go and they get the Ark of the Covenant. On the way back, uh, the ox stumbles, and one of his men uh, uh, stumbles, and he, he, he tries to steady the Ark of the Covenant. He touches it and he dies because you can't touch it. 
You have to do things specifically in order as God said. It had to be a priest, had to be Levites. Levites, the priests of the Levites, the, the head priests had to be the ones there to carry the thing. So David was a little upset, so he leaves the Ark of the Covenant at Obed-Edom's house. And then he goes back and he's a little upset, but then he finds out that he did things wrong. He says, okay. So then he gets those priests, those Levites, to go and carry it back to the city of David. Blow the trumpet on Zion, baby. We're bringing the, we're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, the city of David. Speaking of Jerusalem, who has been supporting Israel? Our president. He said, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. And we're going to move the embassy there. He supports Israel. The other party, they don't support Israel. You can't go against God's... You can't go against Israel. You can't. But he brings the Ark of the Covenant back. And you see in Scripture, you've heard people say that David is a man after God's own heart. And you've heard people say that's because he danced before the Lord. In fact, when he was bringing that Ark back, he danced so hard he danced out of his clothes. And his wife saw him and she got mad at him. She said, you were out there in front of those people dancing and you were exposed. He was so caught up in the dancing and praising God because he was so excited that the presence of God had been brought back. He danced plumb out of his clothes. I think he's a man after God's heart for lots of reasons. But I think, for me, that the main reason that he's a man's a man after God's own heart is because he put he put some serious importance on the presence of God. He went and got the Ark of the Covenant and brought it back said, it's got to be here. We're going to build a house for it. Which God said, you're not going to build a house for it. One of your boys is going to build a house for it. There's too much blood on your hands. But it will be built in the city of David. Right here in Jerusalem, a house will be built. But David brought back the ark. Like I said, I haven't even touched one single scripture in any of my notes that I was going to preach on today. We'll get into that in a minute. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I could. I could, definitely could. I feel like I could preach for about four hours right now. But I won't. Only three. I want you all to take a look at this. It's powerful. The things that happened then, the things that are happening now. You see what's missing? You see how God's been taken lightly? Just like Eli's boys taking it lightly, making a mockery of it. We'll do what we don't, we won't, but then we'll call on you when we need you. Like 9-11, the churches were packed out, but they weren't packed out in 9-10. Or it had been 9-4. They weren't packed out the week before. But now we need you because we're under attack. What are we going to do? God, we need you. I want to tell you, we need him. We need him now. Amen. I think we are at a Red Sea moment. I don't know how he's going to do it. But I got this good feeling in my spirit. I got an unsettled feeling when I look at uh, that other party that I mentioned. But when I think about our future as a country, I have a good feeling. I don't have a bad feeling. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. I ain't studied and I ain't scared and I'm not in fear. God's still on His throne. He's way more powerful than a man, a woman, a party, or any money or any, anything. But you know what it's going to take? It's going to take Him being brought back. 
The presence of God being brought back. There's a lot of churches that have service, but there's no presence of God there. And if the presence of God was there and hit them right between the eyes, they wouldn't even know it. Because we only have 28 minutes and we got to get y'all out because we got another service coming on and we got to be on YouTube and get, be on all these things. So we, we can't allow the presence of the God to take over the service because somebody might get freaked out or scared or offended or might not throw their money in the offering box. I'm not worried about that. We don't even have an offering box. Amen. <laughs> One amen. She don't like to put money in there. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. Good stuff. But how do you do it? Okay. What we need and how you do it. Well, I'm not in, I, I, can't, I can't go and force it into your house, and I can't go and force it into the White House. I can't go and force it anywhere, but I have a house. This right here is my house, and you've got a house. You walk around in the house, and you've got to have the presence of the Lord in your house. And then you're going to carry it home to the house you live in because your kids need to see it in, the, in your house. They need to see it in their dad. They need to see it in their mom. They need to see it in the marriage, the presence of God. It's not just a Sunday thing that cuss you out the rest of the week and live like hell the rest of the week, but it's a Sunday all the way around right to the next Sunday. We're going to live it. We're not just talking it, but we're going to walk it. It's the presence of God. We need Him. Spirit-led men, spirit-led woman. Not to be sellouts. Not to choose the desires and all the things of this world over God. Because all those things are going to burn. Your truck's going to burn. Your house is going to burn. They're going to rust away. But there's only one thing that's still going to remain. See, that's the greatest calling is to be a worshiper. Because I'm not going to be preaching in heaven. But I will be worshiping in heaven. And everybody in here is called to worship. But you've got to have the presence of God in your life. You got to bring him back, and maybe you've let him go. Maybe he's been—you feel like he's been captured by the Philistines and, and and taken out of your life. Well, you know what? Go get him. He's right where you left him. Just like Jesus' parents, he come up missing. Where in the world was he at? He's where you left him. So they went back and they found him. Where they find him in the temple teaching? He said, "I've just been here, you know, doing the Father's work. I've been here right where you left me." People lose things around my house. Where's my keys? And I say, I know where they are. Right where you left them. <laughs> Maybe you know exactly where you left it. Maybe exact, exactly when you quit going to church or when you quit praying or when you quit reading the Word or when you quit believing or when you quit having faith. Maybe something happened to you in your life that hurt you real bad. Somebody left you or somebody died or things didn't work out the way they're supposed to. I know a fellow that things didn't work out the way they're supposed to in a business deal. And just because things didn't work out the way he wanted them to work out in that business deal, that he said he's not having anything else to do with God anymore. And he turned around and walked away from the presence of God. Because he was mad. He was angry. And there's some people in this room that have probably experienced the exact same thing. Or maybe you're like, when Jesus, Mary and Joseph needed a place to stay, and the guy didn't turn them away. Well, several did. But this one guy didn't turn him away. He put him in the barn. He didn't invite him into his home, into his bedroom, or into his living room, but he let him stay in the barn. Well, maybe, maybe that's where Jesus is. He's not, you ain't turned him away, but he's just out there in the barn in case you need him. But he needs to be in the living room on the couch with you. So you carry him to work with you. 
He carried him to school with you. He carried him to the ball game with you. And he carried him out there on I-65 and you're driving down the road. People are acting like fools. You carry him with you. Praise the Lord. Now we got to stand together. I've never wanted to meet a man or shake his hand before like a movie star or an athlete. I've never thought, well, I wish I could just go and, you know, shake uh, hands with uh, the pitcher for this team or something. I never thought that. I've never thought that about a president. I've never thought that about anybody, really, because I think a man's just a man. Just because you're a pop star or a celebrity, at the end of the day, you, take, you put your boots on one foot at a time just like I do, and you're going to stand before God and be judged just the same way. You're just a man. But I, I honestly, I'd, like to meet a, I'd like to meet Trump. I'd like to shake his hand. I'd like to say, thank you, sir. And it's just a small bunch here at our church at Seven Mile and Gardendale, but we support you, and we're with you, and we're praying for you. Thank you for standing up for the word. Thank you for saying Merry Christmas. Thank you for saying, you know what Easter is? It's about the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. We appreciate you and support you. And if he's, never, if he's ever needed prayer, it's now. If this country's ever needed it, it's now. And how can we help or how can we... Uh, get started with that. I think it's, look at the story we just went through, and I know I went through it mighty fast, and I didn't put any scriptures on there. But I guarantee you can look it up, and you can check me even on the names, and you'll find it to be 100% accurate. I think it's just like the Ark of the Covenant. Not taking it serious. Taking it lightly. No big deal. It's just what I do on Sunday or just a little sin in my life or just a little dope or just a little lying, just a little stealing, just a little adultery, just, just a little. That way at church on Sunday. Are we making a mockery of God? Are we like Eli's sons? Are we like that nation was when they only called him when they needed him? When they were losing, now we're going to call on you. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that. This is one nation under God. That's the way it started. That's the way it's going to end. God's still on His throne. the children of Israel would have got out of Egypt with their own might and with their own strength, would we even tell the story? Would it be as powerful? Would it mean as much to you? The thing is, we're at that place right now. We can't do it. We can't do it. We need Him. Praise the Lord. I hope this didn't make you sad. It should excite you. It should fire you up. It should make you hungry for the things of God. And to carry that Ark of the Covenant everywhere you go, which is the presence of God. You know what went before the children of Israel across that Jordan River? 
Ark of the Covenant. He said, carry the box out into the river. The priest carried the box out into the river. Then all of a sudden the river dried up 20 miles upstream. That's a whole sermon right there. But the box went before them and dried the stream up and they went right on a cross. You know what the box is? It's Jesus. He goes before you. You can try to run around him and get out in front of him and make your own way. Just like the children of Israel followed the box. We need to follow the box. Follow the leading of the Lord. Amen. Wow.